Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Today I want to talk about conflict. Well, I don't want to talk about conflict. It's, uh, uh, conflict rears its ugly head oftentimes in our world and our life, and we have to deal with it. Now, I don't bring this up today because we're dealing in particular with a conflict, but as we've been looking through the book of Acts, we come across different topics along the way. And as we approach chapter 15, there's a huge conflict that happens. And, and the, the church needs to discuss how do we get our way through this. And, and uh, as we look at that, it's, it's important to remember that this is not something that's isolated to them. Uh, maybe you've been a part of a church conflict in the past. If you've been in the church for over five years, you undoubtedly have. Because it happens. Because we are humans that sometimes are so motivated about some things that we, we, we just get ourselves so passionately mixed up with it. And, and sometimes we fight with one another, but uh, it happens. And sometimes we, we think, we look at what's happening, we say, this is wrong. And, uh, it's something that's been happening throughout history. I've got uh, several stories here of, of different times in the church's history where, where things that we would say, that's a good thing. At some point, somebody said, no, it's not. Um, Back in the 1800s, William Carey attempted to place before a meeting of Baptist ministers the challenge of missions. And he's said to have been rebuked by a senior minister with the words, sit down, young man. When God chooses to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid or mine. Uh, William Carey did not abide by that and uh, went on to be a tremendous missionary and and, uh, a a leader of, of the missions movement. Uh, and 65-year-old British Methodist leader Thomas Koch, he announced he was going to take a missionary team to Ceylon, now Sri Lanka. Uh, a famous churchman, Dr. Edward Pusey, wrote accusing him of trying to build an empire. Koch was known, as said Pusey, to be ambitious, affecting high titles of honor to which he had no claim. Ooh, brutal. And... Uh, styles of music sometimes gets us mixed up in a different time zone in the history of the church. People are like, that's not okay. Many people have thought in the last, oh, 50 or so years that, that, that organs are great and, and, and the loss of organs in many places is horrible. But there were times when the use of an organ in a church was, was thought to be terrible. What are we trying to turn this place into a bar? Because that's what they associated, uh, organs with. Um, William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, uh, he broke new ground for the church by going out to the poor and the alcoholics and others considered undesirable in society. And, and, uh, but respected and devout leaders opposed this, criticized him. And even uh, uh, a tremendous evangelical politician, Earl of the Earl of Shaftesbury, he was a champion of the rights of the poor himself. He announced after much study, he was convinced that the Salvation Army was clearly the Antichrist. Uh, someone else even added that in his own studies, he learned that the number of William Booth's name added up to 666, which is the mark of the beast. So therefore, he obviously, this, he must be a part of this Antichrist movement. And um, uh, tough things that 
church has said about other church members. And the last one here, that many immediately branded the Pentecostal revival as demonic because it did not square with their understanding of the place of some gifts of the Spirit in this dispensation. So conflict and, and, and misunderstandings happen in the church. And what do we do with it? How do we handle these kind of things? And, and as I mentioned, there was conflict in the early church and, and happened often, actually. There was, there was all kinds of sin that still happens. And what we discover is that, that while the Spirit moves and changes and transforms people's lives, sometimes sin still gets an, in, involved with this. And we have conflicts and difficulties with one another. And in our text today in Acts chapter 15, uh, Paul and Barnabas have had a ministry in, a, in the city of Antioch, the third largest city in the empire of Rome. And, and people have been coming to faith. And Gentiles, non-Jews, have come to faith. And, and they went on this missionary journey to uh, Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey, uh, an area called Galatia, and, and saw many people without any Jewish background at all come to faith in Jesus. And, and as they told this story, they, they were amazed by this. And and in, into this mixed, the, there was some controversy that happens. And, and this comes as a byway of, of the church in Judea. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 15. And it begins with this. Again, we're in Antioch, which is north of Jew, Jerusalem by, by 150 or 180 miles or so. And it says, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers... Unless you're circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Uh, the ESV says sharp dissension with them. It was, a, it was a heated argument and discussion. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all, the, made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who, believed to the part, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. So just as we start at the outset here, this is, these, are, these are the parameters of the, the conflict. Because of the Jewish traditions and, and what it meant to be Jew and how you became a Jew, they, they assume that this must continue on because in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, this is a prominent thing. This was something that, that was highlighted. Abraham is given this covenant first and, and it's part of the identifying characteristics of being the people of God. And, and Moses is, is admonished, even almost, God almost kills him for having failed to circumcise his own son. And so this is obviously a big deal. And so as, as many who come to faith in Jesus, but have this Jewish background yet. They say, come on, obviously it's so important. And, and yet that squares against what Paul and Barnabas and even Peter experienced. We have seen at different periods here in the, in the book of Acts that, that God has told them it's time for the Gentiles to hear about this message. And, and what they saw, Peter saw this and Paul and Barnabas saw that, that without doing this act, which was an identifying characteristic of Judaism, people were being, or they were being 
coming to faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit was, was working in their lives and was clear and evident to them. And, and so it begins them thinking, maybe this is not what it's all about at all. And, and so, but the message got down to Jerusalem. Well, here's what's going on. Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're, they're leading Gentiles to, to Jesus, but they're not having them circumcised. We got to do something about this. So a delegation goes up there, and likely from, from James himself, James the brother of Jesus, who was the, the lead of the church in, in Jerusalem. He sends people there, and this is the discussion that we have. That, that comes from the, the, Paul's letter to the Galatians, by the way. So they come and said, this is what must happen. And they, call, they, they said, okay, we got to deal with this. And, the, and it, it doesn't spend a lot of time with it, but the words that are there give you just that sense that this was a pretty heated discussion and debate that they have. How are they going to handle that? And that's, that's the dim dimensions of this, this, this problem. They, they have dissent within the ranks. How does the church deal with this? And so they head on down to Jerusalem and they have a council, which brings us to verse 6. So the apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among, done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. And, he, and here he quotes from the book of Amos in chapter 9, uh, where it says, After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, that they have been known for ages. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who are leaders among the brothers. So they're considering this question, and then the conflict, again, is, is pretty, pretty strident. Those who are listening to it are thinking, this has got to be done. This has got, we cannot stand for this. We must stay to the old ways of how we've done things. And, and others say, no, no, we've, this is what God is doing. And so they come to this discussion, and, and they bring it to, and they hear the testimonies, and and as James is the leader of it, as he considers and listens, and, and you get this sense that as, uh, 
that the people were spellbound as they heard the stories that Paul and Barnabas uh, talked about, the signs and wonders that they did. Uh, we just looked at some of the in the first missionary that, uh, journey that Paul goes on. He goes in through that area of Turkey, and, and they see God do amazing things confirmed by signs and miracles, people being heal, healed that were, were lame from birth. God was doing a work there, and they told these stories, and the people were like, this is amazing. What is this? What is going on here? And, and as they hear, and Peter gives testimony that we saw the Spirit moving in these people's lives. And they didn't go through this rite that's, that is distinctive to us being Jews. And, and, and think about it. What good did it ever do to us? Because as we look at our history, we failed again and again to do it right. We walked away from God so many times. God sent prophets back to us. And he quotes this passage from, from Amos, which comes at the end of a passage where Amos is telling through God's message to him that I'm going to destroy Jerusalem and the Judean people. I'm going to tear down their cities and they're going to be put in exile. And at one day, and that's the passage he quotes, I, I will bring back and restore them again as well as the Gentiles or the nations, we're going to do this. And, and, and Peter makes this conclusion. It's always, it's God's grace. That's why we're saved. It's not because of those other things we did. It's because of the grace of God. It's because of faith in him. And this must continue to be our standard, that it's grace and faith that matters. So they consider that. And James, as he considers this and thinks through this, and says, you know what? This is right. We must do this. There's some principles here that we, 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 we need to change how we look at this because God is doing work. What Jesus has done changes everything. And all those rights and things that we've depended upon and thought, this shows that we're the people of God. What we failed to do was Lead others to the Lord because that was our call in the first place to, to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests set to minister to the world. And all we ended up doing was thinking we're God's people. But God has shown us this is about him reaching out to all mankind. And so let's not make it more difficult. But here's, here's some things. Because because. There's synagogues all over the place, and we want all these these with, from our background to be able to understand who our Messiah is because Jesus uh, comes through the line of David, and this is a, a connected to Judaism. It's the fulfillment of what God had always been done, and so they want as many Jews to come to it. If you are engaging in eating some of the, the food that's sacrificed to idols, we, we, want, we want you not to do that. Uh, this is this is an accommodation for for the community uh, more so than than for your souls, but it's 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 kind of important. Can you lay that aside because of something that's bigger? And and so James and the rest they they put together this letter to to tell them and. This is what we want to see happen. And they, they put Paul and Barnabas and they, they grab Silas and they grab uh, Judas called Bersabbas and, and they send this delegation back up to Antioch. Okay, tell them this. And, 
and a couple of things happen as they're doing this. One is they're clearly sending the message. We have talked and listened and thought through this because this is important for us to, to work through. But uh, you've been talking with Paul and Barnabas and you saw the sharp disputes that they were having before we left and you sent them back down to us. Well, we're going to send them with some, some of our other folks from this congregation. And, uh, and, and we're together on this. This isn't a he said, she said. We are all together in this as we come to this agreement. This is the right thing to do. And, and so as the text goes on, as um, skipping the, the section of the, the letter itself, uh, in verse 30 says that the men were sent off and went down to Antioch when they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. As, as they, they bring this to an end, we have a conclusion. And, and what I like about this story is, again, it gives us a picture of the church dealing with conflict. And the essential thing here is that they dealt with this conflict. It was something that was causing, well, not a little bit of dissension and, and discord between them. And they needed to come to a, a resolution. What is the right way to work through this? But how do we do this within community? How do we take care of this as a people with, with lifting one another up and not tearing each other down? How can we do this? And and so they have this great council, and they, they talk about these issues and, and deal with them. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, most many of us who have been involved in churches for any amount of time have, have been through times with conflicts. And, and, and conflicts, they're just they're invariably going to happen uh, within the church between brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we've been doing a series in Sunday school called Resolving Everyday Conflict. Why do we do that? Because we have everyday conflict. It happens to us. And, and, and there's, there's, there's reasons that get behind that. Uh, uh, three reasons that the series talks about. One is that we're just different. How we look at things and how we, we understand things. God has created us differently. And, and it's easy to look at others and say, well, you don't do it the same way I do, so you must be wrong. But that's not necessarily so. We have been... We have been built and wired differently. My wife and I are, are, are very different people. She's an introvert and I'm an extrovert. And, and as much as I say, you know, you should be up here and you should be right out there and going to see people. And, and she's like, no, I should be an accountant and be behind closed doors. And, and we can both say you're wrong and I'm right, but we're both. We are who we are and God has made us who we are. And, and we have the passions that we do, but... They can be different, and that's okay. But uh, our differences can cause conflicts, as can misunderstandings. Sometimes we say something or do something that's interpreted by someone through a context or a lens that they're having. Uh, maybe you're making a joke with some people, and maybe it's about a topic that's that's kind of hurts you. Uh, maybe it's a, it's an loose comment about death, and you've just lost someone, and and. And they have no idea you're dealing with this problem, but you think, well, they ought to know that I'm going through this. And they, and, and so now conflict happens. And, but if, if you were to say that, did you know that that person's 
family member just died. Oh, oh wow, I am so sorry. But sometimes we never get to that place. So misunderstandings can be sources of our conflict. And, uh, and then the third thing is some, sometimes we're just selfish. I'm selfish. Maybe you're not. But I think most of us still continue to struggle with this, this self-focus thing. And, and putting ourselves first and, and wanting our way. And I don't care who else is affected by that and these are sources for us to have conflict and 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 to work through them begins with identifying them and and and, and understanding what's the element of this problem and um, at a church level we can do that same thing and uh, one of the principles I see here in, in the church dealing with conflict is uh, they took it seriously uh, Paul and Barnabas obviously and Peter would have been along with them, saying, this is not an issue. This is not an issue. This is just, we, we should be done with that. Well, clearly for some, it's an issue. And they took that seriously, and they met, and they discussed it. And they, they, they heard testimony about what God had done through Paul and Barnabas and Peter. And, 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 and James brings up Scripture and, and uses that as, as something to help them identify. These are... These are the things that are important. And other people were looking at Scripture too. They, they wanted to do the right thing and to be able to, to look each other in the eyes. We, we want the same thing. We want to honor God. We want to follow Him. What is the, the message for us? And, and as they worked through that and dealt with that, they, they listened to it. But then as they considered it, listened to all the things and the matters that were important, they, they came up with a, a decision and a pathway for one of the churches I served. Uh, some years ago, they uh, they they got themselves in a in a, in a tough situation themselves. Uh, uh, there was a it was a matter of a of a particular book, and uh, there were some people who said, "I think this book is no good. I think it's it leads us towards new age, uh, different kind of philosophies that are not biblical." And 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 many of the elders had read that book and had profited much from that book, and so for them, it's like, whatever. That's that book's not a problem at all, and they might have not have said it that way, but the way that it was understood to those who had a concern was, they're not even listening. They don't even care about what we think. And in retrospect, as I've talked with different leaders there, uh, I said, yeah, we didn't handle that well, because this was a concern for them. And we needed to treat this concern of our brothers and sisters seriously and, and, and listen to them, and then have a discussion of why and, and how we think that it's not the issue that they think it is. In that situation, it ended up to uh, about a quarter or a third of the church leaving and moving on at different points. Uh, there was other dynamics that happened with that too, but, but uh, this was the flashpoint for it. And, and as I, I talk with leaders from, that are still there, uh, there's a sadness in not having really considered and dealt with this well. And, and that's the picture that we have here. We're in this together. Uh, it's our desire that, that God's good news goes forth, that Jesus is heard by many, by everyone, that, that they can know that God loved them so much that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is the essence of our gospel. That 
That's if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. This is, this is the core of what it's at. And when things get in the way, when we get at one another, it's important for us to step back. What's going on? What's our way through this? Because when it comes to its core, we want to honor God. And what does it look like for us to deal with this? whether it's music or whether it's a new program or ministry, to be able to listen and think, but also to understand that others have concerns. Um, one of my big moments in ministries was was uh, being right about something, but then being told, yeah, you were right, but uh, you could have handled this before it got to a conflict level. Uh, this friend of mine, Dave, he... Uh, he helped broker me through something. It was a conflict of interest in my mind, and my motivations were pure as the driven snow. And uh, after we worked through it, and, and he helped clarify things, and we got them to be all on the same page, and I thought, okay, we're done. And Dave sits me down and says, okay, Rick, what could you have done? And I'm like deer in the head, like, what are you talking about? We won. And I was right. And he says, you knew last year this was an issue for them. You had a whole year where you could have been talking with them and helping them to understand why you're doing what you're doing. What you're doing is good and right, but your brothers could have heard you, your reasoning through that, and, and you could have walked them through that. Um, well, that's a lesson that I, I obviously remember to this day, that even though I'm right, doesn't mean that I'm perfectly in how I'm, I'm, I'm handling it. We're going to have conflicts. That's just part of being human and, and being followers who still struggle, struggle and stumble. But can we find our way to walk with one another as brothers and sisters, to lift others up and to find the ways to, to work through things? It may take more time. You think Paul and Barnabas wanted to take time out of ministry to go all the way down to Jerusalem and, and handle this? Oh, we got ministry that's important. Like, this is an important issue. This needs to be settled. We need to work this through. Sometimes we need to walk through to do that. Churches, individuals, this is for all of us. What are the conflicts that are swirling in your life right now? What have gone in the past that have maybe not been resolved? What's likely to show up in the future? Some of these things we do know about. We can anticipate uh, what might be problems. How can we work through them? Not avoid them, but take the steps through to, to lift up brothers and sisters in the Lord so that we can continue to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured this cross, scorning and shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Let's stand and close in prayer. Uh, Father, this morning, thank you. Thank you for these stories that our brother Luke includes in the book of Acts and that we see in the all throughout the scriptures of, of your people sometimes not behaving so well and, and needing to get things right. And you need to work through things. And Lord, we, we sure see that in our own lives. And we need help. 
and your word helps us to orient ourselves in looking to you and to looking at one another. As Jesus identified the, the two main commands, to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, help us to, to put this into practice and to fully passionately living out for you and the calling you had in us, have in us. But along with that, to care for those around us, to consider others' interests even more important than ourselves. Guide us in this, Lord. May we, may we honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name. And bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.